Welcome to All Ears Nantucket, the oral history podcast focused on the lives and stories of Islanders. I'm your host, Jacob Horton. I'm now interviewing Noe Pineda uh, at the Nantucket Airport on February 27, 2016. Noe, can I begin by just asking you to uh, tell me where you were born and tell us about the people who raised you as a child? And that is how we begin many of our oral history interviews. It is our general approach in oral history to begin in the background and move forward toward the topic at hand. In this case, volunteer interviewer Peter Morrison is about to encounter the extraordinary journey of his colleague, Noe Pineda, at the Nantucket Memorial Airport. Let's meet Peter. Uh, I'm Peter Morrison. I'm a, a wash ashore here on Nantucket. Uh, before coming to Nantucket and uh, taking my job as the world's second oldest ramp agent at, at Cape Air, uh, I worked at a think tank in California called the Rand Corporation where I was a demographer. A demographer, for those of you new to the term, studies population change on a large scale. Well, what, mean, what you get from the statistics is, is like uh, a shadow of this, at best, a shadow of the image of what you think is going on. But when you, when you hear the individual actually describe their life, you say, oh man, this is like somebody just turned the light on and you can see a real live example of what you thought was going on there. You never really knew for sure, but it looked like there was a pattern that was going on. On this episode of All Ears, you, me, and Peter, we're going to listen along to Noe's story as he journeys from the fields of El Salvador to becoming the father of the first native Nantucketer of 2016. One thing I noticed when first listening to this interview is that Noe hails originally from Chalatenango, which is a district in northern El Salvador. A lot of people on this island, we are from the, not just from the same state. A lot of us are from the same village or from the same uh, town, you know, in a different village, but a lot of people from the same town, Agua Caliente in Chalatenango. The name of Manaquil. This is a little, uh, my home. Born, born, uh, Manaquil, Nueva Trinidad, Chalatenango. Oh my goodness, I'll write yeah. that down. Yeah, that's right. All right. Um, y emigramos, nos fuimos para el pueblo de Andrejea, para Chalatenango, porque yo vivía en el Cerro Guasapa, en, en otro departamento. Pero a los tres meses de estar durmiendo en el monte, nos fuimos en el año 1980, nos movimos para Chalatenango. Those were excerpts from three of our interviews with Salvadorans who've become Nantucketers, Noe Pineda, Avilio Varea, and Francisco Deras. If my Spanish were better, we'd hear more from Francisco and his wife Estela, who uh, in their Spanish language interview with volunteer interviewer Maria Partida, recall life during the Salvadoran Civil War, a conflict that spanned more than a decade, from the late 70s until the early 90s, forced many Salvadorans to flee their home in search of a new one. Peter talks about how this global trend of cyclical migration often operates in the context of the United States. Did I say that correctly, Peter? Uh, I would say cyclical circular, yeah, the, the most general description is circular migration. Okay. Uh, but that within that category would fit what we commonly call uh, <clears throat> migrant workers who uh, basically uh, fill many of the um, 
the labor-intensive, low-wage agricultural jobs that we Americans uh, don't seem inclined to want to fill, but nonetheless rely on for all of the food and produce that we eat. In 1992, 1991, I'm sorry, uh, a friend who was working with, uh, in the open market in San Salvador where I used to work, he, he had this idea that he, he offered us to make a trip to the United States. And then uh, he, he says, if you guys save a thousand dollars each one, it was two more guys and me three plus him was four guys. And then he ran with the money and then we never see him again. So I was so disappointed and then start over again. But uh, um, two years later, a friend of mine who we grew up together, and he will borrow me money to come with people who you know who you pay them and then they help you to come across um, all Mexico and then make it to this country. But some people still not make it. Some of them either die in, in, the, in the way, in the journey, or they have no luck and they get to the border and they get sent back with no money. And sometimes some people takes three months and uh, they still not making it. Here's an excerpt from Avilio's story, one similar to Noe's, was prompted by the tragedies that he faced during the Civil War back in Chalatenango. Yes. At the border, they took you and put you in jail. Yes. And after that, two months over there, he say, and I go to the court, and the liar say, you need to go sign and go to the, uh, back to your country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I say, I don't have nothing in my country. I, I have a fear for go back to my country. My mama died, my family no, no have a home, I no have a house, I live in together to my wife, my son, a little, a little room. To, we live in uh, six person in the same room. And they say, no, go back. Uh, I made it. My body may, uh, borrowed me $4,000 to get to start it, and then another $4,000, I arrived in Boston, where he was living, and he was living in East Boston. I was so afraid and a little nervous that how I will be handled this. If I only have a fourth grade of uh, um, school in my own language, and now I am in a place where they're totally different uh, language and everything was different. I was just talking to him actually last night at work because he was coming around to empty out the garbage cans and he was explaining to me, he said, you know, when I said that thing about how that guy got mad at me because, you know, I didn't speak English and he kept telling me to go to the back of the line. The supervisor who was on charge to receive, I knew that he was not like me and then he was pointing at me and then talking with the other people and then leave me for the last, instead of doing three or four hours, I was doing five and six hours, waiting online, and then let everybody go, and then I'll wait until last one. At the end, I was so angry, and uh, it, it did get to a point that I was almost about to explode myself with so much anger inside of me, and, uh, and uh, knowing that I could not defend myself or say to him why he was, you know, that, acting that way with me. He said, you know, I learned I just got to you just got to tough it up and you just got to stand there and just got to keep, you know, determination. English classes was in uh, Malden, which is, I have to cross 
Chelsea, Everett, and then get to Malden. But I did go. I took a bicycle and I rode right. I rode that bicycle, crossing those three cities, and I went and uh, start getting those classes. And I did it uh, for three months. And then those three months was able to me to put some words together. And then one of those days, I explode back to him with so much. I was not going to church, so I I, I remember I said bad words too to him, and uh, which. Now I wouldn't do it at this time of my life because at that point I wouldn't even go in front of a church. For 14 years of my life, I didn't go to church. And then when uh, I spoke to him like that, then he was amazed, he was astonished, and then he, he became friend with me after that. It certainly seems to work for him and it, it gives him uh a remarkable amount of resilience. I mean, I've never met anybody like that. I, I didn't realize that religion played that deep a role in somebody's life, but I think he recognizes that it saved his life. He, he's been, you know, he's undergone a religious transformation. That's, that's what happened to him. Islanders who attend Mass at St. Mary's are by now well aware of the Spanish language congregation on the island. But what you may not know is that they have Noe and a few other passionate believers to thank for its existence. We um, united with my buddy's brothers who was already working in Nantucket uh, Elementary School. And then we have the, the worship night at the uh, school in, the, uh, in the, one of the classrooms. So you were really working three jobs. Yes, three jobs. Uh, two of them part-time, one of them full-time. Exactly. Okay. Okay. But what happened is that the mission was big because, and I did not know, that uh, uh, at that point, no one was uh, gathering for, for church activities, nothing in Spanish. We have St. Mary's with the Catholic Church, but just in English. And no one was going to that because they didn't like because the language. Mm. We, we, we got the first Mass in 2000, you know, uh, 1999, and 2001, we already had the opportunity to have a priest from, from the Diocese of Fall River and have the first Mass. The way to meet my wife was finding her in Facebook. So this was a telephone internet romance. That's right. Mm -hmm. For about a year. For about a year. Uh, then I went in 2013 in December to meet her. Mm -hmm. And then we, uh, when we met each other, we knew that uh, uh, we didn't care about the uh, you know obstacles that it could be. I don't have the papers that I can travel anytime that I want. What I have of papers is that I have to apply for a visa or for, a for a permission to yeah. go. And immigration sometimes deny that. <clears throat> And then you ended up spending five hundred dollars with the application and all the paperwork that you have to do, mm. and they you don't get approved to go. So you never know for sure. Yeah. If you can go. So I did apply, and then it happened. They gave me the, the permission, so I stayed for a month. The first words that I say to my wife and my my girlfriend at that point, it was this: I'm looking for a woman who loves God first and then love me. Because I, I'm trying hard to do that, to have mm. God in my cent the center of my life. She was looking for the same things for 15 years. And what is her name? Her name is Sonia Raquel. Sonia Raquel. Yes. 
This is the caption from the Inky that caught Peter's eye, along with the photo of his coworker Noe. Baby New Year. Maria Raquel Pineda Chacon was the first baby born on Nantucket in 2016. She's the daughter of Sonia Raquel Chacon, right, and Noe Pineda, left. Her brother is Amalcar Tejada, center. She entered the world at 4.51 a.m. Saturday, January 2nd, 2016, at Nantucket Cottage Hospital, weighing 6 pounds, 12 ounces, and measuring 20 inches. So we have this, this ironic circumstance of the wash ashore coming here and uh, uh, giving us our latest uh, native-born Nantucket, or Maria, who, uh, as I say, can thank God for the enduring possibilities that her father found here, and probably will end up having a very bright future, and we'll look back on this um, perhaps 25 years from now and say, uh, you know, Maria has become, you know, as American an American as, as I feel. Uh, she's pursuing some profession. She's doing something in the world that makes a lot of sense. And, and when you think of the, uh, of the prospect of her success, either on Nantucket or maybe she'll go to Silicon Valley, whatever it goes on. Maybe she'll go to medical school. Who knows what the opportunities might be in America for her. Uh, they will trace back to that, uh, um, that harsh uh, existence and that uh, dangerous trip, lengthy dangerous uh, trip that Noe made over the course of many years to find his way to Nantucket to succeed here. I always have courage and like most people who grow up in a poor village or poor countries like ours, uh, uh, you know, grow up and knowing that you have to go forward no matter what and even if you suffer. I used to live in the middle of a civil war so I was um, accustomed to not be afraid easily. It's, it's a touching story when you think when you think what it's going to look like 20, 25 years from now, looking back retrospectively and say, <clears throat> I'd like to hear what it was like back in 2016, uh, on, you know, from the perspective of the people who had just moved here and perhaps had the joy of welcoming their first native Nantucketer into their lives. As always, full oral history interviews are available through the NHA Research Library on Fair Street. Most are available online through NHA.org, and we encourage you to explore our archive. Now, the music in this episode was created by Moby for his website MobyGratis.com, and the outro music was performed by Rhode Island-based Brown Bird. I hope that you join us for other episodes of All Ears Nantucket. For now, my name's Jacob Horton, and thank you for listening.